Well, hello, everyone. In this edition of Today Matters, we'll be spending some time with Summit Hill Junior High music teacher Eric Ream. Eric, welcome aboard for a conversation about what motivates students. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself with all of those who tune into listening? Right. Hello, hello. Um, so this is my second year at Summit Hill Junior High. This is my eighth year teaching in general. So previously, I was at uh, Crete Money Middle School for six years. Right. Um, but I'm from the Summit Hill District, born and raised in Frankfurt. So went to the old junior high, went to Lincoln Way East, first class at Lincoln Way North, and, uh, and now I'm back. I'm back. And here you are. You've been a welcome addition. So I think back a long time ago, as I entered the profession, I was an art teacher at Lincoln Way East. Mm -hmm. So I think I was maybe gone before you got there. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's something to be said about those who teach in the encore suite of classes and the manner in which they approach students. How do you think this differs from being a core content teacher? I think in, uh, in the encore subjects, especially in the arts, we see a different side of the kids than what most teachers see. And I think, I think some kids definitely open up to their teachers, but in these classes, we kind of expect them to open up, to let it get a little personal. You know, I'm sure in an art class, that's even more self-expression sometimes than what we do in music. But here, you know, the kids have to put themselves out there a little bit more than they probably would mm -hmm. at a, on a regular basis. So I think that, um, I think there's just, it's a little easier to build a personal connection through a class like this, um, through teaching music, you know, you kind of have, everyone's got music that they like. So you kind of have that like initial topic to discuss, you know, artists you like, genres that you like. So I think that when it comes to the just day-to-day -day interactions with students, it's a little, um, you know, a little bit more relaxed than say a math class or something like that. Do the kids ever test you to see if you're legit? See if you, you can really play a guitar or carry a tune? Yes. Yeah. The moment they see me sit at the piano, they're like, do something. And I'm like, all right. So piano's fine. Guitar, I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do some things. They always like to test me on current music. <clears throat> they'll, throw okay. out, they'll throw out the artists that, uh, that maybe they shouldn't be listening to and say, do you know this person? I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, I do, yes, I do. <laughs> and your parents said you can't listen to that exactly. in school either. <laughs> uh, no kidding. <clears throat> so you had your musical start right here in Summit Hill School District 161 as a student, and now you've returned to teach. What, it's, what is it like being back where you went to school? So one thing that makes it a little bit of a of an easier transition is this is not the building that i went to right so in a way it's a the physical environment itself is different but it, it's definitely strange to work with my previous teachers um one of my first days <clears throat> i walked past mr smalters and i said hello mr smalters to which he responded you're in your 30s you can call me scott and i, <laughs> and I was like oh yeah i guess i guess i can do that but um you know it's it's honestly it's great it's it was kind of just like coming home when I first started here, you know, to see familiar faces, um, to know the program as well as I already did. You know, my siblings came through here as well. So um, in a way it was, you know, a lot of new things to pick up on, but a lot of familiarity too. So it's kind of nice. So it's funny. I was at Lincoln White East High School from 1995 to 2007. So this 12 year period, uh, teaching and deaning, and I was an assistant principal. 
and I left to be a principal elsewhere, a superintendent elsewhere, and then returned here. And what I found were a lot of our teachers who are about your age were students of mine. And so I was on the other side of this comment where they'd walk down the hall and they're like, oh, Dr. McDermott. And I'm like, shh, like, don't say that. Like, you can call me Paul. That's what my parents call me. Um, and I could see that look on their face. Like, I don't know if I can do it. It's just, it's just, it's like, it's off limits. You know, it's like, I know that you have a first name. I just don't think I can use it. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all just people. Mm -hmm. Um, so where does your love for music come from? So for me, it, it kind of, it started because my family is very music oriented. My mm -hmm. parents never actually played any instruments, um, but we grew up listening to everything from classical to Pink Floyd. Um, and my older brother was the first of the Reams to join band. And from that point on, it just kind of snowballed. Everyone's so, in. Everyone's in. Yeah. Every okay. one of my siblings, because I'm one of seven kids. Okay. So every one of us played an instrument in band, um, sang, sang, whether it was with a choir or just for fun. Um, so that definitely was the start. But then I think what kept me going, I was actually thinking about this earlier today, is like the more you continue with music, the more kind of the deeper your roots grow. Because I thought through all my friendships, all my closest friends right now, I met all of them through something music related, whether that was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like whether it was marching band in high school or an acapella group in college or a musical or something like that. Like, so I just think that, um, you know, once that ball gets rolling and you get invested in music and you start to make connections there, it kind of just becomes part of who you are and part of your day to day. So I see that because the, the people I communicate with, I have adult children, mm -hmm. um, some of whom do some travel, and they'll see something and I'll get the picture. I, I was thinking of you when I saw this mm -hmm. and you're right. It forges these deep connections between people that might not have existed otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have a whole list of questions here. Yeah. So how do you pass this along to your students? So you love music, but how do you pass it along to your students so that they love it too? So that they love what they're experiencing in your class. So I think for me personally, I just, I don't hide my excitement. I don't hide my nerdiness about music. You know, I think, um, especially at seventh and eighth grade, it's really easy for the kids to give a look of, you know, like, okay, what's this guy doing? Like, this is lame. I don't want to do this. So I think just like showing the kids that like, this is something I'm passionate about, puts them at ease, lets them feel comfortable sharing that too. But then also I think just engaging with the students, you know, um, in this class, you know, playing guitar, listening to them, asking them how it's going, asking them, what songs do you like to play? What could you play on guitar? So I think that, I think for me to get a passion ignited in a student, they need to see first that it's okay to have that passion. So I think, I think that in a lot of music teachers' classrooms, I think they'd agree that like, that kind of starts with us what passion do we bring to For show sure. them like you can let down your walls let's have fun and, and be goofy and it's okay it's almost like giving them permission pretty much like yeah. it's okay to try yeah and you know we we definitely knew it before covid and then covid happened we came out of covid and you saw this resurgence of the thought that you have to lead with relationship first and if students know you and feel like you know them and you've connected with them they're more likely to take a chance for you. 
And so they get into these classes, like a music class, where they pick up a guitar, maybe for the first time. And the first time you try to play the first chord, it's not going to be right. right. And you can almost see it in their eyes. They'll look over at you like, does he still like me, even though I can't right. do this well? Um, and so you build this confidence with them and give them permission to try and right. not be perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that leads into this question, how do you motivate students in your class? How, how do you get them to attach to what you're doing? Some of it is vocal. Some of it is clapping. So it's mm -hmm. like there's this outward sign. It's just not all like inside your head thinking. Like right. you have to demonstrate some things. <clears throat> how do you motivate them to do this? I think that comes back to just that like personal connection. I think that's a huge thing. Um, getting them motivated and again, finding ways to let them be invested themselves. I think personal ownership for students, and I think this goes for really anything. It's I, it's much easier for me to do in music maybe than it is in like a science class or a math class. I don't know. But I think putting the learning in their hands and saying, okay, great, you have the tools. Now what can you do with that? And then it's and then it's on them. So, you know, I for the guitar, I really teach them <coughs> the basics. I teach them my expectations and what they need to be doing with it. And then I say, okay, there you go. Kind of give them a little push out the nest, give them a music book. And really it's uh, never fails to impress me the way that when the ownership is in the kid's hands, they will surpass my expectations. Uh, we're kind of songs right now for like our final guitar recital. The songs these kids are picking, I'm like, okay, if you think you can play that and I guarantee they will be able to so it's interesting that you say that so it, it almost strikes a chord within the danielson framework so mm -hmm. for everyone listening you know for us nerdy teachers when we talk about the evaluation process and how you determine uh, how to rate or rank a teacher part of the danielson framework talks about giving ownership and agency to students inside the classroom mm -hmm. um, and part of that also is the audience effect i know you know it because you do productions mm -hmm. But if the only place they're ever going to show their skill is inside the classroom, you tend to not get as good of results. If they're going to have to show what they know outside of the classroom and there's an audience for that, it becomes a lot more important. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to get on stage in front of 500 people and not know the notes. Right. Especially if it's a solo or something like that. So that audience effect for an audience bigger than your classroom uh, is a great way to motivate kids. I know that's one of your tricks, mm -hmm. um, but you just got this big award. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if everybody knew it. You were a Facebook phenom. You know, you had, I think it was like 20,000 views when we put that out online that you won this award. Uh, it's the first of its kind for a Summit Hill School District music teacher. Can you tell us a little bit about the award and what that meant to you? Yeah, so actually, Got this paper right here just so I can read exactly what kind of all the bullet points were for it. So it's the Bar Barbara Bergman Award. This was through um, IGSMA, which is the Illinois Grade School Music Association. And a lot of people associate that organization with soul and ensemble contests, sure. uh, choir, band contests. Um, so the Barbara Bergman <laughs> Award is a Young Conductors Award, and it's given to teachers that are within their fifth and 10th year. So somewhere in that range. Um, so it is a director who is involved in IGSMA, but also is nominated and um, 
shows through the nomination, they're a well-rounded person, educator, and uh, professional. So I was completely surprised to get it, not only because I didn't know I was nominated for it, but because when I saw that I got the award, I saw I was scrolling through Facebook. I saw my name on something, and that's how I found <laughs> out because they they posted it before they emailed me. So um, I was like, "Oh, well, look at that!" Surprise, 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 yeah. big surprise. Um, it uh, it's an honor. It really is, and I think for especially that range of teaching years, five, year five through year ten. You know, one through five, you're kind of just like cutting through the weeds, <laughs> trying to figure out for like, sure. You yeah. Know, can I get to my car by the end of the day before the sun goes down? Um, but I, I think that for any teacher year one through 10 to get any kind of affirmation that what you're doing is one good and two noticed and appreciated. I mean, that's huge. So um, and I was nominated by Kim Coglin our band director, my <laughs> former band director. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was unexpected in a lot of ways. Um, but it was definitely a huge honor to get that, to know well, that they only give one a year too. So, well, and congratulations. You're our first winner of that award. I do believe in the school district history. So it's also pretty crazy. So let's go. Yeah. So, uh, What's next? Our theme this year is momentum with this rallying cry of let's go. What does this mean to you? And what's next as you use this positive momentum to do great things for your students and your program? Um, so I was thinking about, you know, the whole momentum idea. And I think a lot of times as teachers, we reflect a lot and we think about what could have been better. And I love this idea of the momentum because it's great to think and have ideas, but if you don't put them to, you know, rubber to the road, it doesn't go anywhere. So for me, you know, um, second year kind of figured out how the program's been running, um, curriculum in the classroom, choir and such. So really for me, it's just a matter of continuing to expand and day to day find areas that we need improvements, you know, for choir, one of the things we hit hard this year was really focusing on sight reading skills. And it's only mid-October, and that's already something the kids are starting to tackle pretty well. So I think just in drama club, choir, the classroom, for me, the next step is just kind of listening to what the kids need, what the programs need, and you know, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone to see what we can do with it. All right, last question for you. Uh, I'm gonna allow you a little bit of freedom to run and roam with this one. What's been the best part of being a teacher in Summit Hill School District 161? So first- Other off, than the superintendent. Obviously. Like, yeah, that would be the obvious, the obvious answer. Um, <coughs> well, first off, I mean, my parents still live in the house we grew up in. My parents still live in district. And I think that there's something really, really awesome about serving the community I grew up in. And I always used to hear that term of like serving your community and stuff like that. But like now I really feel it. Like I can go to Target and sit, run into families that I know. And sometimes, you know, when it's not good and bad, bad. Good and bad. but you know, but it's, it's great to, to see the people and oh my, Hey, Mr. Reem, how's it going? Love the concert stuff like that. Love the musical and really see, um, 
the work that I'm doing positively affecting the area I grew up in, the area that kind of shaped me into who I am, which is awesome. Um, and then the other thing is working with so many people that I grew up looking up to. Um, you know, Ms. Coughlin, again, she is the reason I wanted to become a music teacher. So now to be able to live that reality side by side with her is amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, to become friends, to be able to call Mr. Smalter Scott, you know, <laughs> to, so to, to work with so many familiar faces and, and it just makes it very comfortable and it makes every day a little bit more enjoyable. So interestingly enough, sitting in your class right now is the next Eric Green. And Could so, be, yeah. you know, you're at the beginning of your career, a handful of years, students that you're teaching now will be done with high school and college. You might be that person that they're sitting next to wondering if they can call Eric. Can I call you Eric or does it have to be Mr. Reem? I think that's already happening with some. So, so and there you have it. Uh, just sitting here talking about motivation and what you're doing to reach our students as well. It, it's motivating. Thank you for your time and for being so agreeable to joining me in the conversation. It's been great. And for the record, uh, this is Dr. Paul McDermott. The podcast is called Today Matters because each and every day that you're teaching students, working with them is important. And we serve Summit Hill School District 161 in Frankfurt, Tinley Park, and Mokina, Illinois. Until next time.